Hey everybody, welcome to the Cripes Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. And cheese Louise, I want to thank all of you for uh, who bought the uh, Midwest Survival Guide. Uh, it's out now, officially, as of uh, today, as of recording this on Tuesday. So boy, that feels pretty good. Uh, still doing some press uh, stuff for it and all that. But uh, last week, uh, 100% of the proceeds went, uh, of my proceeds from the book, went to the Center for Veterans Issues. Uh, we don't have a final tally yet, but uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fair amount. I think it's north of uh, $6,000. And uh, so that's pretty cool. Again, that's that's all a testament to all of you who uh, saw that that's where the proceeds were going and, and knew that that would, was what you wanted to support and you support it. CVI, again, uh, Ed Garza, who, who runs CVI, was on the Cast uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, they are just doing incredible things for veterans to help vet um, homelessness and uh, to give veterans resources. They're working on an app to develop that. And so they do amazing work. So thank you all for your support of the Midwest Survival Guide, but also that organization. Today, my guest is Kristen Bride. Now, some of you might know Kristen from the video we released last year, which is called Midwest Horror Story. Uh, she's the actress in that. But Kristen does a lot of stuff outside of acting. She actually born and raised in Wisconsin, and then moved to Los Angeles at the age of 16 to pursue an acting career. Ended up that that didn't work out. That wasn't what she ultimately wanted. So she started doing tech, worked in the tech industry. And then during the last election, moved back to Wisconsin to start focusing on politics. And her organization, Asco's Wisconsin, is nonpartisan. And it focuses on these uh, these very small local issues that you would think are, you know, kind of small potatoes, but really when you look at the larger scale of the American political landscape, it's these very small issues that, you know, essentially lead to who we have leading our counties, our cities, uh, our states, and then our government. And so, you know, and that's kind of plays into the name of her brand, as goes Wisconsin, so goes the country. I, I think that's the play on words there, but that's been uh, true in a lot of cases recently. You know, Wisconsin has become a very purple state. Uh, a lot of people very far right here, a lot of people far left here, a lot of people in the middle. Now, I wanted to bring uh, Kristen on in part to talk about her work at As Goes Wisconsin, uh, because I think especially this day and age when local news is losing funding, it, it's tough to get people to uh, cover uh, local issues, much less care about them. But what Kristen does, she takes these local issues and she makes them funny and she makes them digestible through TikTok and through Instagram. And it's it's really powerful stuff. Now, there are a ton of people focusing on, on national issues, but there's not a lot of people focusing on these hyper-local issues. But these hyper-local issues are most important if you are actually you know concerned about making a difference and, and changing things. So anyway, I've been a big fan of hers for a while. And specifically, I wanted to bring her on to talk about gerrymandering. If you're unfamiliar with gerrymandering here, I'll give you a Let's let's find a Google definition. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is gerrymandering is one of those things that we're all like, yeah, no, that's just part of politics. Uh, it's it's standard practice. And if you look up the definition, it literally says manipulate the boundaries of an electoral constituency so as to favor one party or class. The the very definition just says, yeah, I'm a terrible politician. I have bad policy, so I'm just going to cheat, and that's how I'm going to get ahead. 
But gerrymandering has been around uh, for a long, long time. It should really just go away. There are nonpartisan ways to uh, divide districts that don't involve one party controlling uh, the levers of that or another. Iowa is uh, one state that has done this, uh, or at least attempted to. Wisconsin's a state where I, I don't even think they've attempted it, you know. And yes, this is a Democrat and Republican uh, issue. They're both responsible for gerrymandering. Right now, it's the Republicans who are uh, really in favor of gerrymandering because they have the power and they're trying to hold on to it. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a good politician, you're against gerrymandering because it's uh, exactly what it says it is. It's manipulating uh, the process so you can win because you uh, are not good at your job. But it's one of the most angering things because essentially what happens is that, um, you know, politicians will draw lines around these districts that essentially allow them to stay in power. So what happens is you have these um, hardcore conservative politicians and hardcore liberal politicians. They don't get primaried by more moderate uh, politicians for the most part. They get primaried by more extreme politicians. Um, because you're you're not going to win. Like if, if there is a hardcore uh, Republican uh, district, and I am a liberal, I or and I'm a Democrat, I know that I'm not going to have a chance there. So they they have very safe seats, and the only time their seat is in jeopardy is when they get primaried by someone who has a more extreme position than they do. So say they're a moderate. Uh, Republican, the only time they're really going to get primaried is if it's by, you know, like a a hardcore Trump guy. And then uh, that is if you look at if you pull back then and look at the country, that's one of the reasons we're very politically polarized in this country. So it's frustrating that it exists. How do we get this to change? Uh, You'll hear about that from Kristen. So I will let her speak. But before we get into that, I do want to thank our title sponsor for this podcast, Jolly Good Soda. Uh, made right here in Wisconsin, Random Lake, Wisconsin. And if you would like to get your hands on some Jolly Good, just head into any grocery store and ask the manager for that Jolly Good if you don't see it sitting out. If you're outside of Wisconsin, all you got to do is go to jollygoodsoda.com. You can order yours. And ladies and gentlemen, you know I use that sour power in my brandy old-fashioned cheese, Louise. I like it sour. All right, and before we get to the interview, I just want to thank all of you for rating the podcast and leaving comments and uh, subscribing to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's at Cripescast. And uh, okie dokes, that's it. Let's get to my conversation with Kristen Bry. Can you start off by giving us a sense of uh, what you're working on right now? Yeah. So uh, I am still running Ads with Wisconsin, which was, uh, it's a social media, it's basically like the Daily Show before Wisconsin, where we make jokes about Wisconsin politics and kind of explain the news and fun short videos that are usually under a minute uh, on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook kind of, but mostly on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Um, So that's still going strong. And then on top of that, I'm the first video columnist at the Journal Sentinel, uh, which is under, it falls under their opinion ideas lab, but it is meant to kind of do the same thing I do with Ask Wisconsin, but for the Journal Sentinel, where it's like doing things that are about democracy and civics and explaining them in fun ways um, that can reach new audiences. Because I think sometimes reading about local and state politics is boring. And so finding new fun ways to do that is kind of my main focus on everything I do. 
That's pretty cool. Now, let's start with Ascos, Wisconsin, because that was sort of your start into getting into this, uh, these like hyper local, but also very important um, political and social issues and everything. Not everybody uh, decides to do something like you're doing. In fact, I can't think of many other uh, media entities like yours. So what made you want to move back to Wisconsin and start this? So I'm from Madison, grew up in Madison. Um, when I was 16, I was a very willful teenager with very supportive parents, and I moved to LA to be an actress. Um, so I had a performing background and uh, always loved performing. But by the time I was around 20, I was like, I should go to college. So I ended up graduating from Berkeley, where I, that's where I got more into politics and like public policy, thinking I would work for a nonprofit after I graduated. But it was the Bay Area. So then I worked in tech for a long time. <laughs> then around 2016, I was actually in New York. Um, and the political atmosphere was such that I was like, I don't think I want to sell software for the rest of my life. I think there's other things that I find more interesting and more fun. Um, so I got back into performing. I started doing stand up. I started doing sketch. I started doing improv. And one of the things that I realized that I really liked to do was this concept of like what a lot of comedians do really well, whether it's Last Week Tonight or daily show um and even like box and vice and some of the news organizations and the videos they were making of like how do you take complicated issues and use humor to explain them um and so instead of trying to like be a 30 year old like pa on one of these shows i was like i'm just gonna teach myself how to do this so i started filming myself putting myself on camera and learned taught myself how to edit and so originally it was called Below the Fold and that was more national issues. And with all the work that I was doing on that, I moved back to LA. And then I thought, oh, I have this idea for a documentary. 2020 was coming up. Wisconsin's a very weird state when it comes to voting. And every four years, it's a big swing state, but it's not just a swing state. It's like in 2018, 12% of the voters voted for both. Was it 12? I think it was like something like 12% voted for both like Scott Walker and Sandy Baldwin, which is like, on paper makes zero sense, but yet for enough voters that makes sense for them. And so I was like, oh, like, I think a documentary would really, really interesting to come home and focus on all these different target demographics that are going to like the make or break vote. So like suburban women or the black vote in Milwaukee or young voters or whatever and swing voters. So I got back to my parents' house who they now live in central Wisconsin on March 15th, 2020. And two days later, the entire world shut down. <laughs> and so uh, all of the, you know, in-person documentary style interviews uh, couldn't happen anymore. And but what I had become really good at was making these short videos and just like short, straight to camera style, uh, you know, set up punchline. Here's the news type videos. And since I was stuck at my parents' house, I was like, I guess I'll just start making these. And so it started with a video showing people how to get their absentee ballot and me leveraging the fact that my mother is awful with technology as a lot of our parents are um, and teaching her how to upload her ID and get her absentee ballot for the spring primary last year. And that video did really well. And so then it just became for most of 2020 or all of 2020, predominantly a get out the vote, like social media, videos and we did a couple together which was really fun for badgers yeah. vote. um and then when the election and it, it did so well it was doing a lot better than below the fold and so it's like i think i have to move back to wisconsin and so it everything just was going so well and i think it was received um in a way because like you said like 
where there's a lot of stuff, like there's kind of an oversaturation of content for national news and national politics. There was no one really doing it for Wisconsin. Like, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of news here. Like we're an important state in a lot of ways, but we're also kind of a state that like predicts kind of what, like the temperature of the country. And so it was like, I'm sh- there's plenty of stand-up comedic, uh, comedians in Wisconsin who are, I'm sure, on stage talking about it, but was, no one was really doing it online. I was like, all right, I'm coming back to Wisconsin. I'm going to try to build this thing. And so that's mostly what this year has been about of like, you know, sometimes the videos are about, you know, the news. Sometimes it's about politics. Sometimes it's about voting. But then sometimes it's also just about like fun Wisconsin stuff. That's like the Packers or uh, documenting the the Bucks run up because that was so much fun um, and trying to make a new way to talk about news or like state news that isn't either infuriating, like a lot of um, some talk show hosts uh, really Mm -hmm. try to rile people up. Uh, There's a lot of that in Milwaukee. There's a lot of angry dudes shouting at microphones in this city. Yes. And so there's like, there's a, I feel like there's just a new different way to talk about this stuff without the emotions having to be so high. Um, And I think, because I think that turns off a lot of people it just depresses me. And so how do you reach people who kind of otherwise like that's not their their jam is to like always stay up to date on, you know, Robin Voss. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, and, and that is interesting because especially this day and age, local news has lost um, a lot of, uh, you know, budget. And I worked in local news. so I'm, I'm kind of speaking from experience here, but there's not as much of an interest in going after the local important news stories. Um, At least when I was working, it it was a lot of like reconfiguring national stories because that appears to be what people care about, you know, and put in a few local stories. But that budget to get those like sort of investigative reporters uh, in there really um, figuring out the the most important issues going on in your state, it's kind of like blown over because that's a very expensive thing to do. I like the way you're doing it because, I mean, while you may not always be necessarily doing like this hard hitting um, journalism, like like investigative type stuff, you are really diving into these very nuanced issues that not a lot of people know about. People maybe heard the name gerrymandering or something like that. Many people don't really know what it is. And until we kind of break through that and also say, like, how does it apply to me today and, and what can I do about it? You know, I think you do a really good job of breaking a lot of these things down. Was that like your entry into this, though, was seeing like this sort of void in that kind of coverage and and thinking you can fill it? Or did that happen more organically? I think that happened because I I haven't I didn't live here for 17 years. Like that's kind of the fun joke about, you know, the feedback I get on the stuff. It's like you talk to Wisconsinites like really well, which is great. But it's also like I didn't live here as an adult. And so it's like there's a lot of my own learning of what the issues are um, by being back. And so the it's only through being back and doing all the stuff for last year that was about voting that I started to realize like everything you just said, there's there's budget issues, but it's also a lot of state and local news are still just like confined to very traditional formats, right? Like our, you have the newspapers that are mostly all gobbled up by Gannett and so they have their rules of how they're distributing stuff and like it's a very very big company and like you have really good journalists but the format is like it's still just the written word and i say this as i'm you know working with them like they don't only do podcasts right like they could be doing a daily podcast just like the daily from you know 
the New York Times or Today Explained from Vox or NPRs or, you know, of like actually being able to, in a different medium, say the same news. Um, but they're not doing that right now. Or like the same nightly news, like 5 p.m. that my mom still watches every single night. But I don't know anyone our age or younger that watches the nightly news, right? And so I think millennials and younger get their news in different ways. And I just realized that there was, by being back, that there was a gap where there's so much of it nationally. There was a gap here. You know, it's like, I, I don't, like you said, I don't do firsthand reporting. I take the things that I'm reading and turn them into videos because I feel like you can reach more people who are just like spending their day on TikTok, flipping through it. And like, while they may hear stuff that's going on, you know, of the presidential race, they maybe had no idea what was going on in their like assembly or state Senate race last year. And so like, how do you get people excited about those things? Yeah. And, and also understanding um, the systems in play and understanding that there is a system and there is a reason certain things are happening. And I know one of the issues that you care uh, a lot about then that has really impacted Wisconsin uh, is gerrymandering. So the, and right there, I, you know, as soon as I say gerrymandering, I can just see eyes glazing over, yeah, you know what I mean? But totally. like, explain what gerrymandering is for those who don't know. So the process of redistricting, that's like the, there's, I think those two words often get interchanged, but the redistricting is a process that has to happen every 10 years. And basically just like we take the census every 10 years, after the census, that information gets used to make sure that there is the same amount of people in every district, uh, whether we're talking about state senators or state assembly, or even in your city for like your aldermanic and like your city council reps. Um, so there's like, basically that has to break down because each representative needs to represent an e a basically the same amount of people, right? And people move, people, you know, die people are born and so like we knew in wisconsin this year uh most of the state it was either flat or declined the population besides dane county so obviously there needs to be shifts around to accommodate those population shifts so that has to happen no matter what gerrymandering is the manipulation of that process to gain more political power and so it basically is how do you fudge the lines so that you based on voting records solidate people who vote one way into as few districts as possible or make sure that there's like only a handful of those those voters in districts that predominantly vote the other way, kind of like diluting their vote. And basically, if you do it in a certain way that Wisconsin for Republicans, but Illinois for Dem Democrats, like this happens on both sides of whoever actually has the power to approve and draw the maps. And the problem with it is not because it's like, oh, it's a Democrat versus Republican thing. It's that people then end up, end up in safe seats. So you get districts where it's so red that like a Democrat's never gonna win or you know parts of Madison, Milwaukee where it's so blue that Republicans never gonna win. And what that drives is then hyper-partisanship that their only threat is either not getting funding by the, from the party because they didn't go along with what the party was doing. Like they can't just stand up for themselves and do it like vote the way they want because they have to do what the, the party's telling them to or getting primaried by someone even more extreme than them. It's part of the reason I think, I mean, and I think a lot of people think like how partisan and like gridlocked things have become because people are, are not being held accountable to their actual constituents because in, with gerrymandering, the politicians pick voters instead of voters picking politicians. Right. It's that? <laughs> it, it, no, that, that, that that's a great line right there. Yeah. It, but 
it's i mean it's cheating is essentially what it is you know uh what's right isn't always law and what's law isn't always right and gerrymandering isn't right at all it's just bullshit but the fact that it stays around and now we have these you're right uh more extreme politicians are the ones primarying so all we end up with is more extremes and when yeah. you throw that into the mix with news which then is also uh, become hyper partisan and then our, our national politics it's just a, a recipe for disaster and I think if you look at the American political landscape over the past you know decade disaster is pretty accurate for what it's become yeah. so w- where do we go from here if you're upset with gerrymandering in this practice what can you know citizens do that's this is the frustrating part because it's not like you know it's not like go vote you know, that is like a, a very direct call to action of like, just don't be complacent, go vote. And the problem with gerrymandering is uh, the people that we just said are because gerrymandering, because of gerrymandering, they're in safe seats. And so they don't have to be accountable to their constituents. So when the call to action is to call your senators and let them know that you're against gerrymandering, like it's very easy to feel like, well, why would they do anything? And so and but that for right now is kind of the best thing you can do is be like 10 years ago when Wisconsin, well, so you use Wisconsin since we're in Wisconsin, um, when no one was paying attention to this, right? Like, I think it was, so. what happened in a lot of states 10 years ago was the first time that it could be so unbelievably precise in the way that those maps were drawn, because while gerrymandering's been around, or this idea of gerrymandering's been around since, like, 1880, like, it's it's always kind of been like this, with new technology and the software and the algorithms that we had access to in 2010, and how much more advanced they were than they were in 2000, um, how unbelievably precise the maps became. Like literally there's certain districts, I think it was um, Senate District 8. Um, it's someone's like, like literally you can see like someone's house was like drawn into a district. Like it's just like, bloop. And uh, so that's how it's like, it got so extreme in so many different places over the last 10 years. And so, but the good thing is like, we can actually also use that algorithm to create great maps right like we can do like if we take out the voting uh demographics and use it for like communities of interest and use it for like you look at like natural boundaries of counties or cities or school districts or like the things like we all use the same you know the river of like the like bodies of water and like things that a group of people care about and it would be behoove them to have the same representatives who also care about those issues. Like if you use that kind of information, we can also use that technology now to draw like really fair representative maps. And that's not in certain states or certain districts, like it's not about making sure it's 50 50, it's making sure that it's representative. Right. And so the only thing that we can do really is just continue to like, as I said in my last video, when I did this for journal Sentinel is be like, (laughs) the pull of Robert De Niro from Meet the Parents. Like, I'm watching you, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like, and tell them like, you're paying attention this time. Um, and then also pay attention. Cause like the thing with gerrymandering is it's so boring and it's so complicated to explain, but it pre it's precedes everything else that people really get fired up about, whether it's like medical marijuana or recreational marijuana or universal gun check, uh, like background checks or, expanding uh badger care which is very it's all these things that are super super popular and people really care about but again if they're not accountable like if their representatives are not aren't accountable to you 
why would they pass these things that really it's like there's certain lobbyists who are the ones in there being like, yeah, we don't want this passed. So, well, yeah. And lobbying's a whole other thing. I mean, that's cheating as well. You're basically just yes. paying these guys to bribe these politicians, you know, through uh, corporate campaign donations, which there's yeah. no accountability on these campaign donations either. I mean, the whole system's messed up. But the the reason it's going to continue to stay messed up is obviously this gerrymandering. Now, there is a state that was able to effectively uh, do this well. Um, and that's Iowa. Can you talk about how Iowa differed from Wisconsin? So I think what's interesting now is so there's a handful of states, Iowa being one of them, um, that have independent nonpartisan committees now. And there's a di- it's kind of different in each state of like committees that are drawing the maps, but they still have to be approved by the legislature um, or they're just approved because that's the committee and like how that's happening. And this is kind of the first time I think that we're going to see like how that works out. And so I have not stayed up to date with how Iowa is doing right now, but I know that we, we often point to them. And what's funny about why Iowa actually passed it, because in Wisconsin in 2009, Democrats held like both chambers and like they could have basically there was the Democrats had full control um, right before we took the last census and they had the chance. And there were certain people who were advocating like, let's pass nonpartisan redistricting. Democrats thought they were going to, hold on to power and so they didn't uh and this is why it's like both sides do it um and then obviously scott walker and the republicans had full control by 2011 and when they redrew the maps and so the same thing was happening in iowa except i think i think it was democrats also held the power and they passed it because they knew <laughs> that they probably there was going to be a red wave and so they they it was still political the reason they did it like there was their best chance to actually uh not get just demolished and so they do it so it's like if they have an independent uh committee do the maps and then it gets approved and so if you look at how the maps look for the different districts in iowa like they actually look like compact districts and they're not like squiggly lines everywhere just like including people here and there and so um i think there's still issues like there's still issues like it's still going to be an imperfect process because Committees are appointed by politicians and it's like we saw the same thing with the Wisconsin Elections Committee and all the problems they're having right now in Wisconsin as far as, you know, there was three Democrats and three Republicans and how that worked out and we're, we're still having fights over the election investigations. Um, yeah, that's a productive so like, use of time. Too, that's a productive you know. use of time and money. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction because I do think like while the, the committees are not going to be perfect. The fact that we let politicians secure their own seats, like that just can't be the way, right? And so um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how this works out in the states that have tried to do a new, to do it in a new, better way. And if it works out better, maybe there's be more people who are convinced, but it's just the thing that's problematic is like, we don't get another shot at doing this for another 10 years, right? Like it's not something like, it's not even like the president that we get to change every four years or our senator that we get to change every six years. It's like, another decade like i don't know what you were doing 10 years ago but like my life changed a lot in 10 years yeah you got engaged jeez i got engaged (laughs) congratulations it is one of those things though but you know anytime i you know i think for people out there if you look at your politicians whether they're republican or democrat but if they are pro uh, gerrymandering. They're just basically a bad politician because if they were a good politician, they wouldn't need to rely on, you know, essentially this form of like sanctioned cheating in order to maintain their seat. 
And I think when that becomes the um, the perception, uh, then uh, it's easier to make change on it. But the fact that this thing's called gerrymandering and that, you know, the, the lack of information most people have on it is, uh, and that's no like shame to anybody who doesn't really know the story behind it. It's v- intentionally very complicated and these lobbyists and lawmakers know exactly what they're doing when they make things like this overly complicated. It's that people stop paying attention. It's they, yeah. they're running out the clock on people's uh, time and energy that they can put toward change. So, again, totally. props to you making these very digestible things to inform uh, people in the in the state of what's going on. Have you seen uh, success with uh, your audience in that they appreciate what you're doing, that they see what you're doing, that it's it's helping them um, figure this stuff out more? Or is it still an uphill battle? I mean, it's all anecdotal. Like it's like, you know, monitoring comments and stuff like that um, is like my best gauge at uh, how much I'm actually helping. But I would say like the thing that really stuck out to me that was probably one of the best comments I've ever gotten was uh, that we had a, a spring election this year that was uh, after having record turnout for the presidential election in last November, I think Wisconsin, it was like the highest it's ever been or something like that. Of how many people turned out to actually vote. Then it, uh, for the superintendent race that we had in April, I think we had like 7% voter turnout. It was, it was like not great, but it's also like you said, it's like, we just did this. How are we having another election? Like, why right. does this make sense? Right. And like, what does a superintendent of schools do? Like, you know, it's right. like, it's again, it's more complicated and like the public information uh, is not always fun. It's like, why does this affect me? And so, but I had a woman leave a comment cause I did some coverage of like, you should vote. This is what this uh, position does. This is why it's important. Um, these are the candidates. And I had a woman leave a comment saying, this is the first time I've ever voted in a non-presidential race. And it was because of your videos. Wow. And that meant a lot. Um, because I think that is the thing. And I've had a couple of those. That one always stands out to me. But I've had a couple of those of like deep appreciation in the comment section of like, I love your stuff. Keep it up. Like, you know, I people like ask for like, I don't have a Patreon, but like, you know, people who are like, I want like, this is great information. And so I think whenever I get comments like that, like, it so supersedes any of the like trolley <laughs> comments I get because it's like, oh, these are actually making a difference. And they're actually mm-hmm. reaching people. Um, and so that for me, as much as I like love to pe- make people laugh, I love making the videos, like actually feeling like I'm having some kind of impact on like people's civic awareness is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's again, is it difficult to turn what you're doing into um, a business model? And I think that the reason I ask is I think that's a big reason that a lot of these other entities, whether it's um, local news or uh, local publications, they haven't been able to you don't see a lot of the content you're doing because a it's very difficult. But then also, like, uh, is it able to sustain itself monetarily for these things what is that process like for you so this year has been interesting of last year i was really lucky because i got because it was election year and so much money floods into wisconsin in election years and so i got a grant and so that was great for last year but then that was spent and so um this year i've tussled a lot with like all right how do we 
how do we make this into a business? Um, and I've been lucky enough that like I've gotten, you know, a couple groups that have like, if could we, like I, the most recent one was um, the DHS. So the Department of Health Services in Wisconsin was doing a campaign on trying to tell the small talks and they were talking about uh, underage drinking. And as we, as you and I have both made probably plenty of low hanging fruit jokes about drinking in Wisconsin. Uh, no, me drinking never. Wisconsin's, yeah. yeah, right. It's an issue. It's uh, an issue. It's a, yeah, it's an, I mean, it's drinking in Wisconsin, period, and drunk driving and stuff, but also underage drinking, where underage drinking is going down, like, that's not happening in Wisconsin. And so they were doing a, a campaign on it. They reached out to me, and I think they probably reached out to a lot of different Wisconsin bloggers and influencers and stuff. And, you know, so, like, that's a model as far as, like, having organizations that know that they want to reach, they want to talk about things in a different way, that they don't have the internal resources, whether it's comedy or whatever like, that they know that like there's like that's a model but it also puts you in a position to uh like i had one group and i don't want to say who the group is or what the issue is but it's a contentious issue that i actually don't know where i fall on. it's school choice we'll just say it okay. so school choice i don't know where i fall on school choice i don't have a kid um i just don't know enough about the issue but i had someone reach out to me who was interested in potentially having me do videos that explained school choice and that was kind of where I was like, is this the right business model? Because I don't want to make videos advocating for something that I don't know where I fall on um, and, and, and then take money for it. But I need to make money. So it's like, it's hard because if you're going to do a model that is talking about issues, but you have to limit yourself to the issues that you feel like you understand uh, and then you know about and that you aren't just taking money because like, you need to make money and like talking about any issue as it is um, that becomes hard. But then to do a model where you're talking more about like Wisconsin companies, like a quick trip or a Culver's or trying to get one of those sponsorships, like because what I do is innately political, it's also like, do we want to like, is this our best spokesperson as, or, you know, is this the best partner because she's not just doing comedy? Like that's fun Wisconsin stuff. It is innately political. So like, I'm still working on how to make money doing this, but that's where something with like working with like actual media companies, whether it's WTMJ or Journal Sentinel and like working to help them kind of solve the same problem that I saw, right? That they know that they have their core audience who's been with them forever, but that there are hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites, largely a lot of young people who, you know, I'm sure there's people who don't even think that the Journal Sentinel is still in business, right? Like it's just totally off the radar. Um, and like, I don't know, like men, you know, people listen to podcasts. Do they still listen to the radio that are like younger people of like, where are you finding these other people that have pockets? And so what I think will end up working out well for me, and we'll say for next year is like partnering with traditional media companies and bringing my talents to the table. And that feels like a more natural fit because they're already doing media, um, and helping them innovate. And then it also allows me to just have as goes Wisconsin be what I want it to be and not like fall prey to whatever, whoever's paying me to, to make that content. So that's a long winded answer, but the, the short answer is, uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to like stay, like keep your integrity, um, while still trying to make enough money to like pay rent. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, I, I, and I think what you're alluding to and, and talking here is it just mirrors the problem that a lot of news 
is having and a lot of news in the same news entities are going to these bigger um, media conglomerates and, and falling under their umbrella because it's like, look, we don't have the resources. Yeah. So but that that's changed at one time. News did have more resources. And at one time, you know, uh, and I think with this flooding of information that we have and you can basically select where you want to get your information from and there's no shortage of information. Um, breaking through that white noise of just celebrities, entertainment, sports, politics, whatever, people angry. I think a lot of people just shut it out altogether or those who are interested are, you know, just go to the ones that they like. So, I mean, first of all, props to you for like saying, no, this is important. This is what needs to be discussed and then discussing it in a very funny and informative way. But it's really like, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. Do I need the audience to come along before this becomes, you know, the the thing uh, that will self-sustain itself? Um, or do I have to make them interested in it? And I, I feel like, you know, you do a great job of like making people care about it just by the way you Thank write you. it and put it together. So... All right, Cheese Louise folks, excuse the interruption, but I want to shout out a couple of our sponsors. Uh, First, I'd like to say hey there to Duluth Trading Company. They got some fantastic clothing, folks, and we got Christmas coming up. What better way to tell your loved ones you love them than with some Duluth Trading Company long johns? Yeah, some of them even got the butt flap, so they're fantastic piece of clothing, and uh, that's just the beginning. And then you wear them. You got the pants. You got the uh, the little under sweat wicking shirts on, and then you got your big coats and everything in between. The perfect amount of layering for any Packer game or hunting stand or grocery store. And I also want to shout out one more time, Jolly Good Soda, the pride of Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's a tasty soda, folks. They come in all different flavors, and you can get them at Woodman's, Festival Foods, Piggly Wiggly, Shop the Pig, uh, Pick and Save, and others. And if it's not in your grocery store, just ask the manager, hey, you got that Jolly Good or no? And if they says or no, be like, well, uh, you should, don't you know? And so, and uh, finally, folks, if you're looking for ugly sweaters, we got them. We got Midwest-themed ugly sweaters, including the Oak Christmas tree, and watch out for reindeer sweater at mandewalkmint.com or cripescast.com. You head on over there, uh, get yourself, you know, just just some real pretty for the Christmas card, okay? Just think about the smile on all your relatives' face when you send out the Christmas card, and the whole family's got watch out for reindeer uh, sweaters on. I mean, they, they're just going to think you're the most stylish sums of guns on the block. And of course, one more time, if you're looking to get the Midwest Survival Guide, we got it linked up right there on CripesCast.com. All right, and that about does it for these ad reads. Back to the CripesCast. Do you have issues that you think are still being underreported in Wisconsin specifically? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, Underreported, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of issues I care about that feel like the, like, how have we not done this? If you watch my stuff, I I, I think it's pretty obvious that I lean left, but I try not to be, um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a Democrat. Like, I'm not on the team Democrats. I just, like, the things that I care about is, like, having a social safety net and, like, having better, you know, access. But the thing that I've become way more interested in that I actually do think is, like, a hard nonpartisan stance is population growth. And like, 
the fact that we have a brain drain problem that people, you know, we have these amazing universities and a lot of students do not stay in Wisconsin after they graduate. Um, we have a lot of people moving out. Our, we have an aging population, which is like when we talk, funny how the labor shortage is still a problem over. That's actually maybe what is like, there was this huge labor shortage that we were all talking about when they, like the, the certain uh, politicians were like, it's, it's the, it's the extra money, but it's like, no, we still have a labor shortage, even though the extra unemployment is gone. But like, we have a labor shortage because of an aging, declining population. And so if you make the goal of how do we get people to stay? How do we get people to move here? How do we get people like you and me to move back to Wisconsin? How do you, and you put that on the city level, then it becomes the, the strategies to do that goal, but it's hard to be against that goal. It's hard to be like, that's a bad goal to have, right? Like, right, because there's so many here. other, yeah, yeah, like, no, I want to live in a declining, like my, have more and more people leave my, my small town in Wisconsin. It's like, no, like thriving, you know, where my parents live, which in Wisconsin Rapids, like when they grew up, that was a amazing little town that like the, the average, uh, you know, was like one of the highest per capita salaries because they had union paper mill jobs. Right. And that town is depressing now. Mm. Right. Like there's just not a lot of jobs um, and a lot of people leave. And so I think framing things in the way of like undisputable good goals to have as a city or as a state and talking about the issues that would get us there versus like how much coverage we get on like the culture wars. Um, uh, and that I would love to see more of that, like more stories on, you know, actually breaking down while every politician runs on creating jobs. How does a politician actually do that? Like what actually are the levers that need to be pulled to get more tech jobs in Milwaukee to have like an, like the same, like an Epic in Madison, like how do we not have, you know, something like that is as a bigger city that still has two great universities here, three great universities here. Um, and so like, it's, it's problem solving like that and reporting that leads to things that are actually unifying goals versus like the, you know, 10th article this week on critical race theory. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it, it is starting with common ground because there are so many like we'll get to all those issues that everybody wants to, you know, send all their their really well thought out opinions on, which are usually not well thought out at all. But, uh, you know, look, I'll even include myself in that, you know, like I, I've got opinions on a lot of things, but am I as well read as I should be? No. So I just some of them I just need to keep my mouth shut, you know, and, unless you truly understand an issue. But there are those ones exactly that we like our environment, for instance, is one. It's like, you know, there that a lot of people think that that is perceived as like a lefty kind of issue. But it's like uh, who you, you see Republicans now saying like clean air and clean water. Trump used to say that all the time. But w do we have that right now? No, we don't have that. So we've all agreed that we want that. Like, yeah. let's just look at what are the things in place preventing that, um, because no business should prevent you from being able to drink clean water. But that's what's currently happening. So is it um, is in these the larger issues that everybody agrees on? And there are more than I think anyone wants to give us all credit for in those issues. Is there hope that we will be talking more about those as people? Uh, or do you think we are still um, set for another decade of fighting over uh, things we barely understand? That um, laugh seems you're a little less hopeful than maybe I'm hoping you are. I 
you know, I think, I think, I think we have, I don't, and then those are like big, those are probably big problems all like out of my, my pay grade, right. Of like the, the access to content and the misinformation, disinformation, like the echo chamber, like that's, that the echo chamber is real, right? Like the, the, unless you actively are trying to read different sources and like I do that right like I I on Instagram I follow like Breitbart and I follow the Daily Caller and or Daily Call or whatever like follow a lot of right-wing things because like it's good to see what like how things get framed differently right and like how like how like as we're talking right now the Rittenhouse the Kyle Rittenhouse court uh, court case is happening he testified yesterday and like you read comment sections and it's like people's if you could not have two more opposing viewpoints on this 18 year old kid. And it was like any, like, it's just because of how it was framed to you and explained to you. And then your your heels are dug in. So like, that is so much of the core, I think. And I don't know how you fix that. Besides one-on-one conversations. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's been the biggest change for me. It's in the change of how I approach the content that I make but it's also like in the conversations that I have of coming from a place of empathy and curiosity and still having your opinions, but not um, completely dismissing someone who, uh, and like, I won't, you know, like, I, I won't engage with people who think X, Y, Z, like that certainly doesn't help. And I think that only can happen on a one-on-one in your personal life basis. Like, I don't know how we change the machine of like, the media companies that they've figured out how they stay relevant and how they make money, which is, you know, SEO and sexy, sexy title, like sexy headlines of getting people to, to click through. Um, so yeah, I would say, and like, that's a slow change, right? Like, and I don't know how that's gonna, on a macro big level, I don't know who's trying to solve that problem. Um, but I do think the more you can talk about it in your personal life, the better. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer. No, no, it does. It is a good answer because I mean, right now all of the, all of the elements are lined up against people having constructive conversations with each other. The gerrymandering you're talking about where you have these more extreme politicians and then uh, the politicians are more extreme and then consequently or in addition to the news has become uh, more extreme. Local news has done, I think, a pretty good job of staying, uh, you know, with the exception of Sinclair. uh, I think they've done a decent job of staying somewhat issue focused. But, you know, I think it's it's just having conversations like we're having about like saying, hey, this is an issue. So like when you're scrolling through stuff, and you see certain headlines that are framed in an absurd way, just at least note that it's absurd. And uh, I mean, I have no solutions on this clearly with like, yeah, you know, just uh, just keep it in mind. You know, that's kind of uh, that that's the solution. But um, and then you have the social media companies are obviously every alg- every time we look at our phone, it's it is curated to this echo chamber of whatever we've already said we're predisposed to. So, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy mindset um, that just wasn't around 10 years ago. So it, it will be yeah. interesting. But again, I think your work does a great job of sort of combating a lot of that and just diving deep into the issues. Um, what would you what do you hope 
uh, ends up happening with As Goes Wisconsin and your brand more generally? I have like no interest of going back to New York or LA. Like mm -hmm. as as yeah, friends either. that I've made, yeah, like friends who I've made um, who are still in the comedy game and they're submitting packets to late shows or the or like John Stewart's new show and or even like Crooked Media. Like I've had friends like you know and they'll ask me like, do you want the packet? Like do you want to submit anything? And I was like, no. Like I don't mm -hmm. like that's not the dream anymore. Is like be on one of these bigger shows. Like the dream is like how do you take what a lot of those. HBO, Comedy Central, or any of these shows that have done and like bring it here. And so that is like, that is the goal, right? Like the goal really is to grow a media company, like an alternative media outlet for Wisconsin news that does it differently. Um, and, and, you know, and some of it is politics and news, but some of it's also just like celebrating the Packers and celebrating like the stuff that make like up like what we have up north and like how great it is up there and um and so th but that's hard to do you need money to do that and so that is like a long-term goal but like that is definitely the goal like right now I think the overlap between uh this Venn diagram of as goes Wisconsin and Kristen Bry is a circle <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and hopefully like hopefully uh, it starts to separate more where like I could afford to, you know, hire recent graduates who have their thumb better or their finger better on the pulse of the uh, the zeitgeist of young people, because I am certainly not young anymore. Uh, but like, and have it be a thing that like people when they graduate, they're excited to work, like they can stay in Wisconsin and work for something that is cool and fun and 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 contributing to the to the state. So like, that's the goal. I don't know how you do that. But like, that is it's certainly not just to continue um just raising my platform like i think it's a cool thing to be able to grow something that's just bringing new york and la media here yeah and i think the pandemic really uh you know made that much more of a possibility a lot of people moved home they moved to places with more you know uh better land real estate or yards prices? yeah better real estate prices um and now a lot of people are working from home. So I think a lot of that brain drain in this state um, is going to hopefully subside a little bit. And um, also just the celebrating um, of this place that you do so well, um, I think certainly makes people think twice when they're like, oh, I have to leave to do X, Y and Z. Um when you don't have to leave for the job and then they're like, Oh, I want to leave because the culture is better somewhere else. But is it, you know, is it really, yeah, there's a and lot the of great things like, here. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a very natural thing to flee the nest yeah, and, and then figure out that maybe you want to come back. So it's like, it's not like I get, I get that urge. Like I, I, from a very young age was like, I'm not going to Madison. I'm going to NYU. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I need to like get out of Madison. Um, mm -hmm. even though, you know, and uh, so like that makes sense, but I think it, like, it is. It's like, how do you create the cool jobs that make people want to move here? Like Milwaukee is an awesome city. Like I was just in California seeing some of my friends I went to college with um, for the first time in like two years because of the pandemic. And, you know, being then, so I was in San Francisco and then I went to LA. And like, none of them have been to Milwaukee. Like none yeah. of them. And like they, a handful of them have been to Madison because they were, they played uh, like either college soccer or, volleyball so like they either played Wisconsin or something like that so some of them had been to Madison or like they visited for school none of them have been to Milwaukee so they're like what's Milwaukee like and like the fact that like Milwaukee is such a fun cool city that I feel like gets no credit is like how do we change that perspective like how do we get 
more on the map of being like, you know, we have our problems, but no more than like San Francisco or LA have problems. Um, And like, how is Summerfest not a nationally known and sought out concert like Bonnaroo or Coachella or something like that? Um, So there's just like, I think maybe we just need a better PR agent. (laughs) So of like celebrating Wisconsin and like being like, this place is pretty great. And it's probably going to be the place as the world heats up that, you can actually live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. One, one of the few. A lot of fresh water here. And then we'll regret asking all these people to come here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. When, yeah, once uh, once uh, Milwaukee gets, you know, the, the prices of Portland and, like, everyone who just moved to Portland and then like, why did we ask for yeah, this? Yeah, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Uh, what do you recommend for uh, people who are coming up and they want to be in media? You know, you obviously went out and you outside of Wisconsin, you did your thing. Um, but given the day and age we're in today with where technology is, where you can do everything on your cell phone, you can build a following from wherever. Um, what do you recommend if they want to uh, do media in the same way you do it? Honestly, it's just start. Like I um, naturally am someone who everything it's like it's a very good uh, procrastination uh, mechanism of like everything has to be perfect before you start or like you have to be good at something before you start. Um, And that's just not how building a skill set works. Like you actually just have to do it and you have to suck at first. Like I go back and look at the first videos I made. (laughs) They're like very painful to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Me too. And but if you don't start like you only you only get better by doing it and you only find your voice by doing it right like when i first started i was way more left right like and the stuff that i was making was way more like anti-trump stuff and it was only through doing it that i realized my i changed some of my own beliefs um i changed how i wanted to talk i, I made the choices like i don't want to just talk to the echo chamber um, I want to actually reach people who, and like, that's another good comment. Whatever, what, what uh, comments I get every once in a while, they're like, I don't always agree with you, but I appreciate how you talk about things. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a perfect person for me in my, in my audience. Right. It's like, we don't have to agree on everything, but as long as you don't watch something I make and immediately go, well, this isn't for me because it's too something. Right. Um, that is a win for me. And so it's like, but I wasn't always like that. Right. And so I think it's only through starting. And so like, if you want to be a writer, you got to write, right? right? And like, even if you don't have a place to publish it, like there's medium. Um, if you want to be on camera, put yourself on camera. Like for all of these things, we now have the, the barrier to entry for all these things is basically gone. Like to break through the noise and build an audience is a totally different conversation, but at least having access to do the craft you're trying to build, everything you need is at your fingertips now. And so yeah. like, that's the best obstacle I, I overcame was just like you just can't start and you got to accept that you're gonna suck at first <laughs> yeah yeah it's a uh, hard uh i think to do to just get the ball moving but after you get through those first couple you start to see some progress yeah. and then then that idea of finishing is is a of finishing something seeing it get a little better that's sort of self-motivating in and of itself so totally and yeah whether it's and even like stand-up like i'm sure like I know like I've done stand up and I know you do stand up. It's like, I got better, right? Like, yeah, you don't like knock it out of the park the first time you get up on stage and like with a microphone. Um, But like everyone who I've ever talked to does stand up is like the nights you learn the most are the nights you bomb the hardest. Right. Right. Um, Of like what you need to change, what works, what doesn't work. And so like, it's only through failure. Do you actually get better at anything? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
fail forward as they say right is that exactly yeah well cool is there anything i didn't bring up that uh you wanted to talk about i don't know you want to talk about aaron Rodgers? no i'm just joking joking. (laughs) i think he was Um, right honestly oh yeah (laughs) just total selfless selfless guy um but i'm actually going to the packers again this weekend so i still hope that he plays um no i think this was great i mean i think like i appreciate there's like a lot of overlap. I feel like I get compared. I get compared to you all the time mm-hmm. of like doing Wisconsin comedy, and like I just appreciate like that's a huge compliment, and I take it whenever I get it. Um, but it's like, I think it's great. Like I think it's great that like people like you, people like me, some of our other friends who are content creators, and people who like are doing the thing and just doing it here, and then like showing that you don't have to live in one of the biggest cities, whether it's New York or Chicago or L.A. to build something and and build something that's relevant right and like if anything there's more oxygen here and more opportunity to create to be innovative because there's just less people who are doing it and so like i think the encouragement of like like i said just starting and and sticking around and advocating for the state and the city um is all so i appreciate as much as many compliments as you gave me i appreciate everything that you also do and like have paved as like a a model for being a Wisconsin creator, comedian. Oh yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's it's fun, and and I do think that you're right. There is more oxygen here. You know, there's you can grow faster um, in this place because there's more opportunity. There's less folks doing it, uh, and you're essentially encouraging your own competition, which is good too. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> when you're going to the game uh, this weekend, what? Uh, first of all, are you tailgating or no? Okay. We got, so it's a, it'd be a whole thing because we're going with two friends uh, and then so my family has tickets. So we have season tickets. So I have the four tickets for the family. But then my aunt and uncle finally got off the waiting list. So they also have tickets and they're taking my parents. So my parents are going to be there. So it's going to be a whole it's gonna be a whole day. And then nice. we're gonna stay at the casino. Like oh, great. Gonna be, uh, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. Hopefully we also have a win. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we're just going to wake up first thing Sunday morning and get there and enjoy, and take in the day. Yeah, are you brats or are you? Uh, what's your must-have at a tailgate? Brats, Bloody Mary. Both. I mean, if okay. we get there early enough in the day, it's going to be a Bloody Mary. Uh, I'm not like an afternoon Bloody Mary person. Like Bloody yeah, Mary is like it's a for me, it's, it has, it's, it's 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 noon or earlier, and that's, yeah. that's for me. Um, but yeah, so Bloody Mary, definitely a brat. Uh, definitely a lot of beer. Maybe I'll do a shot shot ski. I saw we were yeah. at a game. I was at the. Uh, uh, opening game from against the Lions, and it's, you know, I saw someone with the um, both the shot ski, but then the guy who has like the long pole. Have you seen that guy who's like you can oh. be like twenty yards, like twenty feet away, and he can like feed you a shot with his like extender thing. Oh, I was like, that's oh, maybe we'll do that next time. Yeah, doesn't seem super COVID friendly, but like yeah. the whole, <laughs> nothing is these days. Like I also was in the Deer District uh, the night we won. That was also not COVID friendly. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, you guys will have a good time. I'm sure you're going to be celebrating your engagement too. So congrats again on that. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. All right. And that is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you follow Kristen Bry at Kristen Bry on Instagram and at As Goes Wisconsin. Both amazing accounts. You will be very entertained and also informed. And you can follow the Cast. that's at Cast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Cast. Everybody keep her moving, 
Tell your folks I says hi and watch out for deer. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving. <laughs>